bring God's word uh, to this congregation. So uh, I think uh, I, I guess I may have a brief introduction for myself. <laughs> um, my name is Weird. No, I mean my name is E Wang. Uh, you may pronounce it Wayne, uh, but it's incorrect. Um, it's Wang. Um, I'm. Uh, I was born in China and raised there, and um, I went to Italy uh, for my college, and I was uh, converted and became a Christian there. And God also brought me here to Westminster and study uh, to become a pastor. Uh, so I never thought about that. Uh, it's not my plan. Uh, it's His plan. Um, so. Anyway, uh, not to talk, talk too much about myself, uh, let's talk about God's Word. So this morning, uh, we're turning to the book of James. Uh, the book of James, chapter 3. Today we're going to look at a portion of this chapter. Uh, James is a, a, a hard book to preach from, uh, but it's full of wisdom and, uh, and truth. So let's hear God's word from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Let's hear God's own word. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the sheep also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and uh, uh, reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives, or a grapevine provide figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So far the reading of God's holy word. Well, you may have yeah, I, I introduced myself that I was born in China, so you may uh, already realize that English is not my first language. And uh, in fact, English is not my second language. 
um, I also speak Italian uh, because I live there. Have you ever learned a different language? I know that if your pastor met Hive, yeah, in seminary, they learn Greek and Hebrew and maybe Latin, and hopefully they learn well. Um, I know they learn well. Um, learning a, a different language is an exciting but also challenging thing, and it's very difficult because we need to learn afresh from the alphabet, and maybe some languages don't have, don't have alphabet, um, and we need to spend a lot of time and energy to memorize the vocabularies, the, the, the grammars, and uh, idioms, and the way of expression. Um, I just uh, um, happened to have a great meal with my American friends, and we were uh, having an Italian dinner, and so we bought a lot of cheese. And uh, when my wife was sliding the cheese, and uh, I didn't know the, uh, the, you know, the American idiom, I just said, oh, my wife was cutting cheese. Um, so you know that uh, learning a language is diff difficult. Uh, it's a different way of thinking, a different culture. And you know, today we're living in a world of uh, mobility. You know, we can travel around the world. It's very easy for us to uh, relocate ourselves and uh, so we have a lot of immigrants here, uh, especially in Southern California. And um, uh, we can tell that they're from a different place. Even you may have relatives and families coming from different parts of the world. And uh, you know, communicating with them, you rec recognize that their accent, uh, they're from different part of the world. Well, I think Christian life is like a life of an immigrant. We have technically obtained the entitlement of a citizenship of the kingdom of heaven, and yet we're still learning the language of that kingdom. And so uh, even after a long time, we still make mistakes. It's like what James is telling us here. So this morning, we're going to look at this passage, and my message is really simple. is that because Christ has granted us a citizenship in his heavenly kingdom, we ought to learn diligently this new heavenly language. And we're going to consider three things from this text. The first, first is our old mother tongue, our old mother tongue. And secondly, we're going to look at the, the good news of transferring into God's kingdom. And lastly, we're going to look at the duty for us to learn this new heavenly language. So let's start from the beginning. Our old mother tongue. You see, our languages and accents reflect who we are and where we are from. And in the same way, James tells us that our language reflects who we are spiritually. Our words indicate our identity as sinners. Now, James starts with a warning to those who want to be teachers. And he is not discouraging people to pursue legitimate offices in the church, for in other places the scriptures uh, encourage us to to do so, since it's a noble task. Um, 
But what James is warning here is the desire to uh, boast oneself, to advance oneself. And he warns those who use their tongues to, to boast and advance themselves. And James reminds them of a greater judgment. Those who seek to teach others by words should be in great, greater caution because if he uses his tongue well, he would save him, himself and those who hear him. But if he does it wrongly, he might lead them together with him into judgment. So preachers and teachers should not use their words to show off how deep their knowledge is, how uh, scholarly they are, how wonderful uh, their gifts are, but to proclaim the gospel, to honor Christ every time they open their mouth. But it's also a reminder for all of us, isn't it? How often do you use your words uh, to serve your ego, uh, to, to show how good Christian you are, how we are, we're, you know, we are so good at inserting a little bit of hint just to let others know that how good we are, um, we, how much we know or how much we have done. And James tells us that the best way to humble ourselves, all of us, is verse 2, is to remind the fact that we all stumble in many ways. And Calvin commenting on this verse, he says, For there is nothing which serves more to humble ourselves than the knowledge of our own infirmity. And in fact, our words just reflect where we're from. We're from a world of pride. We're from a world of arrogance. And then James uses three metaphors to describe the tongue, our language. In verse 3, the bridle of horse. In verse 4, the rider of sheep. In verse 5, the fire in the forest. See, like a bridle that can control a horse, a rider can control a sheep. If we can control our tongue, we can do many good things. We can ride a horse to reach our destination. We can navigate a sheep to pass through the storm. But, but if the, the untamed wild horse will just throw you off their, their feet, and the sheep without rudder will be smashed into pieces by the storm of sin. So sadly, in real life, we often lose control of our tongues, don't we? Our tongues become a wildfire set in the forest, uncontrollable, widespread, and destructive. It stains quickly the whole man, the whole body. It sets on fire the whole course of life. What, what does that in, in expression, the, the whole course of life, mean? Well, you see, many sins can be restrained as we grow, as we become mature. You know, after years, when you were a teenager, you made many mistakes, right? Uh, but when you grow, when you become mature, you can control yourself. But the vice of tongue lasts in your whole life. Even the elderly often sin in this way. And now we have to ask why? Why the tongue 
is such a difficult thing to control? Why the tongue such an evil thing? Well, because the tongue is the exit of our heart. You know, if you want to commit a crime, you have to make really a hard effort to do that. Uh, if you want to rob a bank, you must make a, a, a very delicate uh, plan. You must uh, work very hard to make that happen. But if you want to speak an evil word, it's really easy. You don't have to make a, a strong effort. So the tongue is the exit of our heart. And the reason we lose control of our tongues is because we are unable to control our hearts. We may hide ourselves. You know, we may once we, uh, you know, just remain silent. But what's in your heart? What's in your thought? And once we open our mouth, once we are given the opportunity to release what's in our hearts, we see what James describes here. Deadly poison. In verse 8, deadly poison accumulated in our hearts. Our sin in our tongues is just a reflection of our, of our sins in our hearts, deep-rooted in our very nature. And we can't even get rid of it. Even the holiest man in this world has a hard time to control his heart and his tongue. And why? Why is this so? And we have to go back to the very beginning to find the answer. And the beginning of this whole story is back in the Garden of Eden. Since our first parents sinned, the paradise turned into a dark world. The evil resides in mind's heart since his youth. So do you remember, go back to Genesis, before the fall in the garden, Everything was different. Everything was created by God and was very good. And God created man and he pronounced the judgment on man. He said, he was very good. So when God created men for, uh, women, women from men, do you remember what kind of language Adam had? Uh, it's not a, like a mystical uh, Adamic language, you know. But it's a language of beauty. It's a language of praise. It's a language of wholeheartedly glorifying God. Do you remember what Adam said? Adam said, God, I thank you. This is the bone of my bones. This is the flesh of my flesh. Oh God, I glorify you for your creation, for your goodness. It's a language of love. It's a language of praise, of thanksgiving. You see, Adam was using his tongue correctly. Adam was using his tongue holy and glorifying God. Isn't that the way we're supposed to use our language? Isn't that the way we're supposed to use our tongue in speaking to God, in speaking to our spouses, speaking to our families, and friends. However, tragedy happened. We know that Adam 
and Eve, they disobeyed the Lord and violated his commands. And now we see a, a, a dramatic change of their language. You know, sometimes we don't think about that. And what happened after they disobeyed the Lord? What do they speak now? See, Adam started to use his tongue to complain his spouse and to justify himself and to curse, to accuse God. This isn't my fault, God. This woman, she gave me to eat. Oh, God, by the way, who created her? You did. I didn't ask for her. You see how dramatic that language has changed. In a, in a few words, we witness the most mournful shift of human language. It's no longer a heavenly language, but a one from hell. Adam's words reveal where his home country is. He is no longer from the country of God, but he is from the dominion of the devil. In his betrayal, as the federal head of the whole, whole human race, we are now all captured to the dark kingdom of Satan. And actually, we are born as citizens of that kingdom of darkness. That is why our mother tongue is so evil, that our hearts are filled with evil thoughts, with pride, with slander, with hatred, with curse, with blasphemy. I know those were heavy words, but that's the reality. Our strong accent of this evil age exposed our identity and our estrangement from God. What waits for us is the internal punishment from God. And do you see that it is the reality of yourself? Do you see that it is you who you are in Adam? Do you see that as your own problem? What can we do? Who can save us from this self-destroying world? This leads us to the second point. We have a good news. We have a good news of transferring into God's kingdom. You see, God saw that his good creation has been devastated by the tyranny of sin, so he started a rescue mission to migrate his people from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light. This mission started right after Adam's fall. God announced the good news. There will be a seed from the woman who will bruise the serpent's head and will bring a new world. And this, this great promise developed through thousands of years along the human history. And finally we see it comes true. The seed came to the world. Jesus Christ. He came from heaven to this world to become a true human who never stumbled in his tongue so that he might save us, a people of malicious tongues. He is the only one in human history who speaks the heavenly language, the language of truth, the language of humility, the language of holiness, righteousness, 
a language of mercy and love. Unlike us, Jesus did not speak from himself, but from the one who sent him. He did not speak for his own glory, but for the glory of his Father. He was reviled by the world, yet he did not revile back. Jesus is the perfect man that James is talking about here in verse 2. He is the only perfect man who can bridle his whole body and never sin against the Lord, either by his action or by his word. You see, he is the light of the world, and yet the world does not accept him because of his own darkness. You see, he's, he was speaking this heavenly language, but for the world, for this evil world, this heavenly language is such a foreign language. We don't understand it. The world does not accept it. The world sees Jesus as a foreigner, as a stranger, as an alien. So the world rejects him, despises him, and eventually kills him on the cross. The world thinks that Jesus is defeated, and yet that is only part of the rescue mission. Jesus must die to pay the debts of his own people's sin. He must be refused as a foreigner in this world so that we can be accepted as people of God. By his suffering and death, our debts has been forgiven, has been canceled. And by his right, a perfect righteousness, we have been granted freely a new identity, a new citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. As Paul says in Colossians 1.13, let's give thanks to the Father who has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. You see, this transfer is a legal process, a legal action. This is an, you see, the, the rescue mission is not illegal. It's not illegal immigration. We can, we come not to, to God's kingdom, not as stowaways, but as citizens, as legal citizens. And Christ has given us this status by his perfect righteousness. The law can no longer condemn us. What a good news. What a good news. We come to God's kingdom as legal refugees. And um, I don't know, have you ever really seen a, a refugee's life? Uh, back in Europe, uh, when we, ha we had a, a many refugees come from uh, Syria during the war, and, and uh, I remember before I was uh, leaving Italy, uh, our, uh, our small uh, city uh, built a refuge uh, or a shelter for those refugees. And uh, of course, it brought, uh, brought a lot of troubles, um, you know, but if you really see a refugee, uh, they come by boat, by foot, walking thousands, maybe 10,000 miles to seek a safe country. 
And uh, if you know that recently China has uh, been um, being very tight on religious freedom, and many churches were shut down, and uh, there are a lot of Christians who may have uh, means or ways to to leave their home country, to go uh, to the U U.S. or to other countries to seek freedom, and that is basically what we see ourselves. We live, our home country is in ruin. This world is designated to dis destruction. And we have to leave. <laughs> we have to leave this world. We have to go to God's kingdom to seek safety. And that is our good news, you see. Like refugees, we take the lifeboat of Jesus Christ to arrive in the safe land of God. We are refugees in Christ. And the refugee's life is a life completely dependent on the rescuer. God's reign is so gracious that he did not just give us a temporary state permission in his kingdom, but once for all, a new identity. Once you are in Christ, you don't have fear that you'll be kicked out. <laughs> Once you are in Christ, you are no longer an alien, but a child. And you see, God does not only grant us the new citizenship, he also teaches us a new heavenly language, which is our third point, the call to learn a new heavenly language. So, so far we have looked at the first two points, First, we saw that our mother tongue reveals that in Adam, we're from a dark world of unrighteousness. And secondly, we saw that our hope and our only hope and comfort is that the second language, uh, second Adam, Jesus Christ, who is from heaven and bring us into the kingdom of God. And now let's consider our last point, the duty and call to learn this heavenly language. Living in a new country, it's necessary to learn its language. Um, I struggle that daily. <laughs> uh, but thank God that um, he gives uh, us gifts uh, of tongue, right? Uh, not uh, in the Pentecostal way, but uh, just by repeating the flashcards and all that. Um, however, no, no matter how hard we learn, no matter how hard we try, I still have some accent, <laughs> and you can sense that, right? Uh, something inherent to me that I can't change, I can't even feel it. It's so natural to me that you can feel it, but I can't. It is the same thing, likewise, you know, we are descendants of Adam. We are inherent, in, we have this inherent inherent sinful nature. Even we have given this new identity, but we still have this strong accent of Adam. We are justified, but still sinners. We haven't get, uh, get into that uh, stage of glorification yet. Though we try so hard to learn this language of God's kingdom, 
we still we are still imperfect in this life. And James brings this, uh, this paradox here. He says, you know, yes, we praise God sincerely, right? As Christians, we do praise God. And however, we, we also use our tongues to curse our neighbors. And James says, you know, this is absurd, right? And if we're honest, we see, yes, it is absurd. But that's the reality. This is absurdity of sin. Yes, we, we, we are fig trees, but we grow olives, or vice versa, whatever you, you prefer. You know, there are both fresh and salt water coming from our mouths. See, that's, that's the reality. That's sad. That should bring us uh, a, a, a sobering uh, message that this life is not the end. This life is only a transition. Often we cannot recognize our own accent, and it's much easier for others to recognize others um, to our accent, so it's easier for you to see other people's sin, but it's not very easy for you to see your own sin. But that's why we tend to justify ourselves, and, and uh, we, it's so easy for us to be uh, hypercritical towards others. But James says, don't do this, brothers. Remember that we are all in the same page. We are all have this same problem. None of us deserve this kingdom. None of us gained this kingdom by our own righteousness. So don't look down to your brothers and sisters when they sin. Don't overestimate yourself at the same time. Keep that in mind and encourage one another. Warn one another with humility and compassion, knowing that we are all on the same pilgrimage. The, the remaining of the old accent is a reminder of how slow we progress. As our Hebrew Catechism says, even the holiest man, well in this life, has only a small beginning of such obedience. And reminds us how beautiful that heavenly language is. We trust the promise of God that there will be one day when the new heavens and new earth becomes reality, that we will be changed. We will be given a new body and a new tongue, a new heart. And in that day, we will speak fluently this marvelous heavenly language with no stumble, with no steamer, with no accent at all. In that day, this heavenly language will become our own mother tongue. And we will use it to praise the Lord to sing to the Lord, to glorify Him eternally. Do you long for that day? Do you long for that day? If you do, start right now. Start right now. Start at your home. Start at the church. Start at your working place. Start at your school, children. 
I know that it's very easy to pick up things from the world, but you are citizens of God's kingdom, so speak that language. <laughs> you see, it's hard, right? But what's the best way to learn a language? It's just um, to, to uh, imitate the native speakers, right? Watch TVs, <laughs> listen to pop music. Uh, don't do that. Um, but the, who is the native speaker of this heavenly language? Jesus. That's right, Jesus. So repeat after Jesus. Imitate he, how he speaks. Imitate how he loves his neighbors. How he practices this heavenly language. And yes, you may, you may fall, you may stumble, but don't lose heart when you make mistakes. Get up and try again. Don't forget to keep looking up to that day when we'll praise and sing to the Lord together with that angelic choir and enjoy one another forever. So dear brothers and sisters, in conclusion, if you trust in Christ, you have been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of Christ. So go to him, repent and believe. He who trusts in Christ will not be disappointed. And if you have already trusted in him, rejoice, for that day of your redemption is coming near. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for this good news. And though we are born in this dark world, and yet you have rescued us and transferred us to the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we recognize that while in this life, we still have this old accent of, of our sin and misery. So Father, help us. Grant us your Holy Spirit to transform our lives, to help us speak this heavenly language, to help us imitate Jesus, that we may enjoy heaven while on earth and we may look up to that day when your son comes again and transform, transform the whole world and we will be with him forever. Father, we are so great, grateful for that promise so help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So would you turn uh, to your Blue Solder hymnal to number 114? We're going to sing, sing pra Praise Ways for Thee in Zion. <laughs> 